You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Take your Bibles, please, to Jeremiah 24, and uh, let's uh, continue our series here. It says in verse 1, as Jeremiah is uh, speaking and he's getting ready to preach, a message to the people of Judah. It says in verse 1, The Lord showed me, and behold, two baskets of figs. It's interesting. Uh, anybody have, uh, anybody have uh, figs at home right now? A few of you do? All right. Uh, anybody, anybody that's never eaten a fig? Let me see your hand. You've never eaten a fig? Well, Brother Dan, as much, much as you like fruits and vegetables, that's very shocking. All right, anybody else? Okay, all right, Brother Dan, you win the award. And, uh, but there are two baskets of figs. Very interesting. But these two baskets, God is going to use to show his people that the decisions that they were making were going to categorize them in one basket or the other. It says that the Lord showed me, and behold, two baskets of figs were set before the temple of the Lord after that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried away captive Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and the princes of Judah with the carpenters and smiths. That's interesting. We'll come back and look at that. He carried them from Jerusalem and had brought them to Babylon, about 500 miles that these folks had been taken from Jerusalem to Babylonian captivity. Verse 2, one basket had very good figs, even like the figs that are first ripe, just, just perfect, just, just ready to eat, uh, best taste, uh, best texture, best everything. They were perfect. And the other basket had very naughty figs which could not be eaten, they were so bad. Verse 3, Then said the Lord unto me, What seest thou, Jeremiah? And I said, Figs. The good figs are very good, and the evil, they're very evil. They cannot be eaten, they are so evil. Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, Like these good figs, so will I acknowledge them that are carried away captive of Judah. Now, now hang on. This is where I think... The, the people of Judah, I think they probably thought that Jeremiah was mixed up. Because what God is telling Jeremiah is the ones that are carried away captive, the prisoners, the ones that got caught, the ones that got uh, uh, seized, those people, they're actually the good figs. I'm sure that was puzzling for the people. But then it says in verse number 5, that I have sent out of this place, God says, into the land of the Chaldeans. Notice the last three words of verse 5. And if you have a pen and you're in the habit of marking your Bible, I want you to mark these three words. It says, for their good. Did you know there are things in life that God allows that we don't think they're good, but God knows that they are for our good? And sometimes we don't understand it right away. Sometimes we don't understand it down here. We won't understand till we get to heaven. But God will show us some things and say, you didn't like that. 
You didn't think that was good. You didn't think that that was going to work out. But let me tell you, I allowed that and I did that not to hurt you, but I did it for your good. And that's what God says about those carried away captive. Notice verse number six. For I will set mine eyes upon them for good. And I will bring them again to this land and I will build them and not pull them down and I will plant them and not pluck them up. Boy, that's what I want. I want God saying, I'm going to build you up and I'm going to plant you and nobody's going to pull you out again. That's what I want. Verse seven, God says, and I'll give them an heart, an heart to know me that I am the Lord and they shall be my people and I will be their God for they shall return unto me with their whole heart hallelujah for that verse 8 and as the evil figs which cannot be eaten they're so evil surely thus saith the lord so will i give zedekiah the king of judah he was going to be the last king he would have been uh, the worst king that judah had but zedekiah i'll give him and his princes and the residue of jerusalem that remain in this land and them that dwell in the land of Egypt, those are the folks who, who fled and thought they were going to get away from Nebuchadnezzar. And they're hiding out in Egypt thinking nobody's going to find us here. But God says, I'll deliver them to be removed into all the kingdoms of the earth for their hurt. God says, you are trying to do what you thought you should do, and you are trying to do what you thought was best for you. But that was not for your good. That was for your hurt. And I tell you, I think sometimes we, we look back over decisions we've made, and maybe they were selfish decisions, or maybe they were just uh, un, uh, decisions we didn't pray about, or decisions we didn't really seek godly counsel or seek Bible counsel from, and we look back and say, wow, that was a not a good decision. That was not for my good. That was for my hurt. That was something that was harmful. And God says those people, they'll be delivered for their hurt to be a reproach uh, and a proverb, uh, a taunt and a curse in all places whither I shall drive them. God says people are going to remember you for a long time, but it's not going to be in a good way. When they think of you, they're going to think of a shame. They're going to think of, of someone who was a disgrace, someone who, who was, uh, was foolish, somebody who was, was just careless. Verse 10, and I will send the sword the famine and the pestilence among them till they be consumed from off the land that I gave unto them and to their fathers. Lord, help us as we look at your word and these 10 verses. Lord, so many truths. I pray that you'd help me to share uh, what you'd have me to share tonight. I pray that you'd help me to get to the point. And I pray that we would see, uh, Lord, what you have for us from your word. Lord, I thank you that this is not just another book. These are not just the writings of man. These are not just the ideas of, uh, of, of a person or a preacher or pastor or a teacher. But these are the words of Almighty God. And Lord, I believe that they're helpful. I believe they're beneficial. I believe they're profitable for us tonight. And help us to, to, to receive these truths. And may our hearts be open. May our ears be open. May our, our minds be focused on the Word of God. And I pray that you'd speak to us and through us tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to jump up to verse number one. I, you've got to see these first few words of verse number one. Uh, God, God helped me with this as I prepared for this Bible study. But notice the first four words of chapter 24. What are the first four words of chapter 24? The Lord showed me. 
You know, those are four words, just very simple words, and I've read through them so many times, but it's like those words kind of jumped out at me this week as I began to study, and I guess it was last week as I began the Bible study for tonight. But you know, it's a wonderful thing when God shows you something. That word show, it means to, to cause to be seen. And Jeremiah said, I wouldn't even know what to say. I wouldn't even know where to start. But God showed up in my life and God spoke to me and God gave me something that helped me. The Lord showed me. You don't have to turn to these verses, but you may want to jot these references down. Genesis 39. The Bible says about Joseph and his life, it says that the Lord showed him mercy. The only reason that Joseph had mercy, the only reason that Joseph had favor, and the only reason that Joseph had blessing was because God did it in his life. Aren't you glad for the mercy of God? Aren't you glad that the Lord showed us mercy? Aren't you glad that God showed mercy when he sent his son to die on a cross for us? I'm glad that the Lord showed me mercy. If it weren't for the Lord, we wouldn't have mercy. And not just salvation, but think about the blessings we have. You say, well, you know, I've, I've kind of had a tough time and I've got a lot going on in my life. And, and maybe that's you. Maybe you came tonight and, or maybe you're watching tonight or you're listening to the radio tonight and you say, yeah, God was good to me and he saved me but everything else is bad and everything else is downhill. Well, I will remind you that those in this auditorium and those who are watching or listening in this vicinity, God has allowed you and God has allowed me to live in the United States of America. You say, oh, well, pastor, you obviously, you're ignorant. You haven't seen the news and you haven't seen what's going on in our country. Well, can I tell you that some of the things we have seen on the news in recent weeks and months, the things that took place in Washington, D.C., the things that took place in Seattle, Washington, there's crazy stuff going on in Chicago, there's crazy stuff going on in Portland, Oregon. Can I tell you there are people in this world that they wouldn't even bat an eye with that stuff because that happens all the time in their country. That happens all the time where they live. You read some of our missionary letters and you read some of the reports from missionaries and they talk about civil wars going on in their countries that just keep going. And they talk about terrorists and they talk about uh, 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 thieves and they talk about militias and they live in fear every day of their lives. If you want to call it that, I think they live by faith every day of their lives. But God allowed us to live in this country. You say, oh, yeah, but you remember, remember the shortages we had? Yeah, I remember. I remember when you couldn't find hand sanitizer and you couldn't find toilet paper. There's a lot of the world that would love to have those problems. There's a lot of people in the world, they just love to have running water. They love to have clean drinking water. Uh, they'd love to have electricity. In some parts of the world, if they can get electricity one day a week, they're doing great. Some places don't have that. And then you think about what we've been given spiritually. You think about the fact that we have a building like this that we can come to. We have a, a, a video uh, system and an internet system and a radio system whereby the word of God can be broadcast and the word of God can be 
televised and the word of God can be shared literally around the globe. We have the Bible that we hold in our hands. We, we've got tonight, if you came with a child, there was a class, there was a teacher, there was a ministry, there was something for every single child tonight. Uh, there, there's a padded pew for all of us. There's uh, a place you could park. There's a place that you could uh, come in and you could use. The, I mean, we, we have been so spoiled. And I'll tell you, it's not because we deserve it. Now, some of us sometimes think we do because we've gotten used to it, but it's only the mercy of God. And God has been so good to us and God has showed us his mercy. Numbers 14 and verse number 11 the Bible says the Lord showed all of the signs among them, and yet the question was asked, how long will it be till God's people would believe him? He had showed them miracle after miracle after miracle in the wilderness, and yet some of those people would still not believe God. Kind of sounds like us sometimes, doesn't it? You think about the miracles that we've seen. You think about the answers to prayer that we have seen. You think about the mighty things that God has done in our church, in our families, in our lives, and yet many times we're very slow to trust God. Many times we don't think God can do it again, but God has showed us his mercy. God has showed us his miracles. I'm thankful I have seen things that nobody could ever explain except to say that God did it. And that's, that's the God I serve. If you haven't seen a miracle like that, uh, then you ought, to, you ought to go by sometime and see a, a baby that's been born. You ought to sometime go by the hospital when somebody says, I was diagnosed with this, and the doctor said this, and I went back for a follow-up, and it was gone. And the doctors could not explain it. Well, you're right, they can't explain it, because nobody can explain the miracle-working power of God. God has showed us His mercy. God has showed us his miracles here in Jeremiah 24. The Lord showed Jeremiah his message. We find in Amos chapter 7, uh, verse number 1, verse 4, verse 7, Amos 8, verse number 1, we see that God shows the message, that, that God speaks, and he shows us his truth. Now, please, please, please don't point. If it's a church member or if it's a family member, that's even worse. Uh, and please, if it's me, don't point at me. But have you ever had somebody that you couldn't get a message back from? You couldn't get an answer from? Have you ever had somebody like that? Again, if it's your spouse, don't embarrass them. Please, please don't, don't nudge them, you know. Have you ever had maybe somebody that you couldn't get an answer back and you needed something, that you were waiting on somebody and you needed an answer, you needed a message, you needed a reply and you couldn't get it? And sometimes it's because they're too busy. Sometimes it's because they don't like you. Sometimes it's because they're too important. It's sometimes it's because you don't really matter, you know, and whatever. But can you believe that the creator of the universe would take the time to give us his message, to give us his truth, to give us his word. And he would take the time to speak to us. And you have the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. 
that ministers to you and speaks to you and convicts you and, and guides you and, it, and he comforts you and God gives us his message. God shows us his message. He shows us his truth. Would you hold your place in Jeremiah 24? I want you to see one more. And uh, we, uh, you've got to see this. It's found in the book of Micah. Micah chapter number six. We see that God shows us. God allows us to see his mercy. Thank God for his mercy. Uh, we don't deserve it, but he shows it to us anyway. Thank God for the miracles that we've seen. Thank God for the answers to prayer. I, I think it was the other day in church I was talking about an answer to prayer. And God reminded me of another answer to prayer. And, uh, and I, by the way, I hope that you have some answers to prayer that you have seen. And you say, well, I haven't seen an answer to prayer in a long time. Well, maybe it's because we're not praying as much as we should. Or maybe we don't believe like we should. But God answers prayer. And uh, not every prayer is going to be answered like you think and like I think. But God answers prayer. Thank God for the miracles. Thank God for the message. But then I want you to see Micah chapter 6 verse 8. We see that God has showed us, verse 8, He hath showed thee, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God? God has showed us His mandate. God has showed us His command. God has showed us what He expects out of us. None of us can go through life and say, you know, I don't really know what God wants. I, I wish I knew God's will. Let me tell you, he's given it to us. He requires of us that we do justly, that we love mercy, and that we walk humbly before God. God has showed us. If, if you don't know those things, it's because you're not listening, because God has showed us. And Jeremiah said, the Lord has showed me. I want to ask you this evening, we're still on the first Four words of verse one but I want to ask you something what was the last thing that God showed you what was the last thing that God spoke to you about maybe it was in a Sunday school class maybe it was in a church service maybe it was in your devotions maybe it was uh, listening to uh, WVFE 95.9 maybe it was uh, something else but what was the last thing that God spoke to you about specifically? I want you to think about it. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I want to give you some time and say, what was it? What was the last thing that God showed me? Can I tell you, if it's been a while or if you can't think of something, then I think we need to ask ourselves the question, are we listening? Are we growing? Are, are we watching and, and looking for God to do something? Are we allowing God to do the work that he wants to do? You see, God won't show you more until you do what he's already showed you. Now think about that. We, uh, in, uh, when I played basketball in elementary, and, and in Illinois, basketball was big. And I know in North Carolina, obviously, basketball is big. But in Illinois, I mean, that was just our thing. Maybe it was because it was so cold. I was telling somebody recently, I forget who it was, but we used to play baseball in Illinois. We, I played a high school baseball for a couple years, um, but, and I played Little League. But high school baseball, I remember it was awful because we started practicing like March 1st. And in Illinois, March 1st, it is so cold. We, we had some practices canceled because there was snow on the ground. 
And it's kind of hard to see the baseball coming in the snow. You know, it just doesn't work very well. Boy, I tell you, you get hit with the ball or you, you hit the ball in the wrong spot or whatever. And, oh, man, that will hurt your hands when it's 30 degrees outside and you're like a, you feel like an icicle. But we used to play basketball, and, and we love basketball. Every recess, so we'd be in the gym, or if we were outside, we'd shoot on the hoops outside. But I remember in the old gym in Rockford when I was a boy, that old gym, uh, before school in the mornings, and we had a, there was a couple hundred students there, but before school, we'd get to play in the gym and, you know, burn off some energy, I guess. But I remember everybody wanted, everybody wanted to shoot the basketball, but everybody wanted to shoot from half court. I mean, that was just the thing. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, you know, who cares about the easy shots? Everybody wanted to launch it from half court. Well, the problem was this gym was filled with children running everywhere. And every so often, you know, somebody's getting nailed. And then we had those, remember those little basketballs? Remember those little ones they came out with? That was so cool. And everybody thought that was great because you could throw those even farther. You know, you could be three quarters of the length and trying to throw them and you didn't make very many, but usually you hit some innocent children, you know, trying to run around and play. But I remember we'd do that, and I remember we got into elementary practice. My, my fifth grade uh, year got to be on the elementary basketball team. And of course, you know, we're ready for basketball because we've been shooting half quarters for, you know, the whole school year. You know, we're ready. And uh, the coach says, all right, I want you all to line up, and we're going to show you how to shoot a layup. Boring. I mean, who wants to shoot a layup? You know, I mean, who wants to do, you all know what a layup is, right? I mean, literally, you are under the basket and you are laying it up in the basket. I mean, it's, it's the easiest thing in the world. So we get done with layups and I'm thinking, okay, coach, we're ready. Bring on the half court shots. You know, we want to do the, the buzzer beaters. And he says, all right, now we're going to try shooting from the blocks around the free throw line. That's boring. And then he gets, gets us back there. He says, all right, we're going to shoot a free throw. I remember our elementary coach, he used to say, guys, he said, free throws are called free throws for a reason. It's like free points. I mean, you shouldn't miss. It's free. Nobody's even guarding you. And he would always say, say, and free throws win basketball games. You obviously talked to my elementary coach, you men. Well, I didn't want to hear that. I, I thought half quarters won, you know, shooting from half court. I thought that won basketball games. But you know what's amazing? Is I played for two years in elementary. I played two years in junior high. I played four years in uh, uh, JV and varsity. And I got to make, in my whole career, I got to make one buzzer beater that actually changed the outcome of the game. Uh, one, that's it, only one. And you know what's ironic? Is it was a rebound from a teammate who missed a free throw and I caught it and threw it back up. Literally, it was probably 10 or 12 feet away. We won, whatever. But you know how many games I saw over my career that were decided because of a free throw? or decided because of a layup? A lot. And you say, well, what does that have to do with church? I'm glad you asked. You know what we want to do as Christians? We want to do the big things. We want to see the Red Sea part. We want to see the fire fall down from heaven. But you know how the fire comes down from heaven? 
when somebody first learns how to pray. And you know how the Red Sea parts? When you got somebody like Moses who has spent 40 years on the backside of the desert walking with God and listening to God and talking to God. And you know, in our Christian lives, we're not going to do the big things. We're not going to do the spectacular things until we learn how to do the basics, until we first do what God has showed us to do. Uh, for, for someone that may be here or someone that may be listening, uh, the first thing you need to do is you need to get saved. If you're not saved, that's the first thing. Uh, there's nothing else you need to do until you get saved. Then after you get saved, the very next thing that God wants you to do is he wants you to get baptized. That's the first step of obedience. You say, oh, that's not spectacular. No, but it's obedient. And God always honors and blesses obedience. And you do it the way that God says. And you do what God shows you. And he'll give you something else. And then he'll take you to the next step. But it must be that we follow God and that we obey God and that we do what God has already showed us so that he can give us what he has next. Number one, the Lord showed me, Jeremiah said, and I wonder, what has God showed you? What is it that God has spoken to you about? Maybe it's something about your marriage. Maybe it's something about uh, your character. Maybe it's something about your work ethic. Maybe it's something about uh, reading your Bible or, or praying. Or maybe it's something about your schedule. Maybe it's something about your priorities. But what has God talked to you about? If God has not spoken to you about something, then I have to say we're probably not listening very well because God wants to speak and God wants to help us and God wants to show us some things, but we must listen. Number two, I want you to see not only the Lord showed me, but I want you to see what God showed Jeremiah. He said, I want you to see that there are two baskets of figs. There's only two. Uh, someone said it like this. There are only two options on the shelf, pleasing God or pleasing self. No man can serve two masters. You either hate the one and love the other or you hold to the one and despise the other, but you can't serve God and mammon. It's just, it, it's two choices. Uh, you're either in or you're out. You're hot or cold. It's just, you gotta make a choice and there's no gray area here. There's two baskets, and God says you're in one or the other. The one is good, it's very good, and the other is evil, and it's very evil. These baskets represent choices. You see, the children of Israel, specifically now we're talking about Judah, they did not want to yield to God's judgment and to God's plan. So here's what they did. When Nebuchadnezzar comes, they want to fight. They want to escape. They want to, uh, uh, you know, do something to change the situation. But God has already told him, he said, Babylonian captivity, 70 years, you are going to be judged. But these people, they would not submit to God's plan. They wanted to do it their own way. Sounds like us. Sometimes, I'll be more specific, sounds like me sometimes. It seems like we don't want to submit to God's plan because we think our plan is better. We think we know better than God. And sometimes we will fight against what God has already told us or what God has already showed us in His Word. 
What God was telling these people was, you need to surrender. You're not going to win if you fight because this was ordained by God. This was planned by God. This was executed by God. Notice verse number five. God says that uh, they are carried away captive of Judah, whom I have sent out of this place into the land of the Chaldeans for their good. God said, this is my doing. And because they would not listen, God said, I'm going to put you in the basket as a result of your choices. You're going to be in the basket of the evil figs, the, the bad, the, the naughty figs is the word that is used here. We see figs are everyday objects. It's, it's a fruit. Some of these were wasted. Some of these were good for nothing because, uh, because of the choices that God's people had made. Figs are used in the Bible. It's the first tree mentioned in the Bible after the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And after the tree of life, the Adam and Eve used leaves from a fig tree to sew together aprons to try to cover their nakedness because of their sin. In Numbers 13, the spies brought back grapes. They brought back pomegranates and they brought back figs that were so large they had to have two men carry uh, the clusters back because of the fruit of the promised land. Figs were used. And brother Dan, I have to tell you, this is the part I like about figs. But figs were actually used to make cakes. That sounds kind of good, right? Like, you know, if you don't like apples, that's okay. Just eat apple pie, you know. Or if you don't like, a, uh, if you don't like bananas, then just make banana pudding. Or see if you can get Brother ask you to make you some banana pudding. But, you know, there's a way to eat fruit. When I was a boy, I used to love to eat fig newtons. I don't even, do they make those anymore? Does anybody know? Do they make those? Oh, man. I don't know why. Something about those were so good. But figs in the Bible is just an ordinary, ordinary, everyday kind of a thing that God used to show his people the choices that they were making, whether it be good or bad. The fig tree in the New Testament was cursed by Jesus because it had leaves, but it had no fruit. I want to give you one thought, and I'm, I've got to stop here. The, these two baskets, verse number one, it says they were set before the temple of the Lord. You see, the fact that they were set before the temple is a pretty good indication that these were brought before God as an offering. And God used these as an illustration to say, here is one that is good, here is one basket that is bad, but they were brought as an offering. They were brought to be given to God. You know what's amazing is that our lives are an offering. Our lives ought to be presented to God as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is our reasonable service. But here's the thing. What we offer to God, what we have to give God, it's either good, it's either profitable, it's either useful, or it's wasted, depending upon the choices we make. And I understand if you're presenting your life to God, that's a good indication that you say, I surrender all. And God wants your life no matter what you've been through, no matter your past, no matter your background. But wouldn't it be better if we came to the end of our lives and we said, rather than I've wasted my life, I've lived my life for selfish reasons, I've lived my life for my own personal gain. Wouldn't it be great if we could come to the end of our life and say, I fought a good fight, I finished my course, I've kept the faith. I have something that I can give God to show him how much I love him. 
to show him how thankful I am for what he's done. These baskets were given as an offering. I wonder what we bring to God. I wonder what we bring to the table. I understand we sang, I'm just, uh, we didn't sing, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. We sang, uh, when he reached way down for me, I was lost and undone. There, there's nothing good in ourselves. But did, did you know that God wants to use us? And God can use us if we'll just say yes. The children of Judah, they didn't want to say yes. They didn't want to give in. They didn't want to see things uh, turn out the way that God had it planned. They wanted things to work out their own way. And I'll tell you, whenever we fight against God, that's not a good result. Whenever we stiffen our necks and whenever we uh, uh, decide we're going to do it our way, it's never a good result. But when we surrender and when we just say, God, it's your, it's, uh, I belong to you, it's your life, it's yours to control, I want you to take me and use me. That's when God can work for our good and for his glory. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.